Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. Guys, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the internet is making us ruder. Have you noticed? Is anyone else? Is it just me? Am I the only one? I actually read an article this week called, Is the Internet Making Us Ruder? I bet you don't even need to read the article. Do you know the answer to the question? Yes, it definitely is. It is there is a thing going on out there where people, um, primarily through, through social media and other, other channels online, um, we're just getting very, like, short-tempered and hostile and angry with people and just kind of more rude and much less kind. And I know that is true, and if we're honest about it, I know it's true not just of everyone else. It's true for me, too. Like, it's... It, the, I can sense that online engagement makes me, too much of it makes me irritable and, and a little cranky, and I can get a little hostile when I engage for too long, and I, I see that in myself. And I, I think we saw this um, really, saw it really well in the spring of 2020 when, uh, the, our, as a society, we said, everybody um, go home and just work from home. And so everyone, at least in the laptop class of society, went home and started working from home. And, um, and, and we started engaging the world. And that time period of, of being at home all the time and mostly engaged online did not make us nicer, kinder people. It's not like everybody went home and started this incredible self-improvement project. No, we got behind the keyboard and we grabbed something out of the fridge. We ate it. We sat there and we engaged online and it wasn't good. We started in with, a, you know, well, you need to wear a mask and if you don't, you suck. And it's like, well, if you wear a mask, you suck because you follow the authoritarians. And, and, and it's like, it's people like you is why we still have COVID. And it's like, people like you are sheeple and they're following the government. And it's like this whole thing went on back and forth. And maybe you, maybe you noticed that. And there was this like pent-up frustration that people had, which kind of erupted over the summer of 2020. Uh, I remember the Sunday morning when things kind of went, started going a little nuts in Richmond, and I remember the Sunday morning going, sitting on Boulevard and sitting opposite the, uh, right by the museum there, and there's all this graffiti and windows had been smashed, and I remember sitting on the stairs before church and watching, and there were, there were uh, ordinary citizens carrying large weapons standing in front of that, making sure that nobody got into the building after they had been vandalized the night before. And they, they, were, they were threatening a photographer who was trying to get up there and take pictures of the graffiti. And it was ugly, and it was hostile. And I think some of this has been driven by, by social media. But why? Like experts go, why is social media making us hostile? Some of it has to do with the lack of eye contact. It's the same reason why you're a jerk behind the wheel of your car, is you can't actually see that other person. Also, behind the keyboard, um, we can, the lack of eye contact there changes the dynamic, right? That's true of social media. That's true of when we text people. This is why text is challenging, because we text people and we don't have eye contact. We don't have facial expressions. We don't have tone. And so we just say things. Um, if you're of my generation, when you text, you use grammar. So um, I, t I text, I put periods at the end of the sentences. When I write them, I'll text something, I'll put a period at the end, and my kids are like, Dad, why are you so angry? I'm like, I just put a period there. They're like, I know. 
And I'm like, it's a, it's a period. At the, it goes at the end of the sentences. Have we taught you nothing, kids? So, you know, um, you can't tell tone, right? It's very difficult. So when, when, when you lack the face connection uh, with people, um, hostility tends to, tends to go. When you lose connection, you lose the ability to read each other well. And so um, there are consequences to this, and it's, it's a challenging thing. The Internet is an amazing thing in the way it has connected us across the world. We're more con- in some ways, we are more connected than we ever have been, but we're more connected to people who are getting more and more hostile. And honestly, I'm not sure I want to be connected to that, that many people that are getting hostile. Like, I don't know that that's actually... A great thing. So I want to talk today about um, two vintage qualities that we've been looking at in this series. Two sort of old-sounding character traits. They sound like something like your kindergartner teachers, kindergarten teacher said to you, or maybe your parents said when you were little. These are qualities that we need to have that that should be growing in our lives, and the Scripture speaks to them. And I think these in particular are a bit of a counterbalance to the hostility that we see in culture that's rising, has been fueled by the digital age. And these two qualities are called kindness and goodness. I'm going to do them both together. They are related. Um, think of kindness like an a- as an attitude and think of goodness as an action. So kindness is in this attitude, the state of being towards people, and then goodness is acting in the best interests of others. So those kind of things are, are related. And they are written about, and Paul lists them as the fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about this entire series. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you when you become a follower of Jesus, that Spirit is trying to form something in you. Character qualities are trying to be produced in you. And there's a list of them, and I want us to read it together. We've been reading these together the whole series so that we can memorize them. Read them to your children, to your other people's children. Read them to strangers in the coffee shop. Um, you know, just read them, broadcast them on TikTok. I don't know what you need to do. Get them out there, all right? It is this. Uh, let's read this together, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, kindness in particular, has become a little bit of a buzzword in our culture, and I can understand why. We are, we're all feeling the hostility, and we want to react in some way. I've seen it. You've probably seen the signs that people put in their yard that are like, love is love, and no human is illegal, and they're usually like a rainbow-colored sign. And, and often, the very last one on the sign is, kindness is everything. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little cynical. So... And so when I read that, I'm like, is it everything? Because you just said there were seven other things. So technically, <laughs> kindness can't be everything. Also, if we say kindness is everything, you're asking kindness to, I mean, it's carrying a lot, of, a lot of weight there, right? Like, that's an awful lot to just put on kindness. Like, kindness is a thing, but like, that's a little much for kindness to be everything, right? But if I could put the cynicism aside for a second, and maybe a charitable reading of that would be, kindness is really, really important. And I'm okay with that. I, I think that's a good thing. Kindness is important, and, it, and it's, a, it's a good thing um, to, 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 to be kind. You can be many things with all the years you have in, in, in this life. Disney films have taught us nothing if not this. You can kind of be whatever you want to be. So why don't you be kind? Let's, let's try that. Choose that one. Like, that's a good one. I'm, I'm, I'm for that. So where does this kindness come from? What is it and where does it come from? The definition, uh, a simple definition, kindness is the quality of being friendly 
generous, and considerate. Now, this is often conflated with being nice, um, but I don't think those are exactly the same thing. Nice is like agreeable and pleasant. Um, and Scripture tells us to be kind. It doesn't actually tell us to be nice, which is maybe why a lot of Christians are not nice. Uh, but, but it does tell us to be kind, which should, which should affect our attitude towards others. Um, and, and so we, we, when you combine the attitude of friendly a friendly posture towards people is kindness with goodness where we act in ways for other people um, and promote the good of others. That's, that's really what we're, we're going for. So let's, let's talk about it. First of all, this kindness comes from the Lord. A lot of these qualities we said, love, love originates from God, joy comes from God. Kindness comes from the Lord. Now, you may argue that because you're like, I know people who don't know God at all who are kind. Yeah, I get that. But ultimately, the, the concept of it, the, the character quality of it comes from the Lord. Chapter, uh, Titus chapter 3, listen to what Paul says to the church, uh, to, to a guy named Titus. Um, Titus 3, verses 3 through 5, let me read this to you. It says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. I read that, and I'm like, Paul didn't even have Twitter, and he's saying that. Like, that's incredible. It's, this has been going on forever. And the, but listen to this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, man, things were bad. We were led astray. We were, we were idiots. And God shows up. How does he show up? He leads with or he shows up with kindness and goodness, and he, he saves us. Now, that kindness, um, there's meaning to it. There's more going on there. Listen to Paul again. I love this verse. Romans chapter 2. Listen to how Paul talks about kindness. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness, get this, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is meant, it, it has a purpose, right? Kindness from God has a purpose. It is meant to move you to change, to repent, to turn away. God could give you punishment, as, as his thing. He could go, well, you know, I'm just going to punish you whenever you do wrong. But that's not how God operates. He doesn't punish you every time you do wrong. He leads with kindness and goodness with the intent that the kindness and the goodness will lead you to repent or, or change. And that actually makes sense because the, the fear of punishment doesn't work long term. You've probably seen this before. I, I, one of the most, I would say, influential articles that got me thinking about change dynamics and behavior was an article that came out, I think in 2005, I think it was in Forbes, it was called Change or Die. And right at the beginning of this article, they talk about all the people who have heart attacks, cardiovascular problems, they have heart attacks. And they did this study and people would have a heart attack and they'd go in and they would get a triple bypass surgery and the doctor would say to them, all right, we, we did it, we, there was blockage, we're, we're good here, we saved your life, you can have more years. However, if you keep doing the things that you were doing and keep eating the way you have been eating, you're just going to have this problem again. In other words, if you don't change your eating behaviors, you will die. 
That's what they're told. And then they run the, st- the studies. Nine out of ten people do not change anything from that day forward. Nine out of ten. Ninety percent of people, when faced with life or, life or death, you have to change. They're just like, oh, I'm just, I choose die. I'm just going to do that instead. What is that? Right? What is going on? Well, the threat of the punishment, the, the fear of the thing, isn't quite the motivator. Uh, better motivators is when we lead with kindness and goodness and call out the good in someone and, and, and see the good thing in someone. Um, when we lead with that, it, 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 it moves people. This, this should be instructive for us. If you want to see friends grow and see friends change, people that you know and love, try leading with kindness and goodness. That can actually move the heart. Haven't you experienced that to be true? Like, you know how when people are like, man, I told him, I sure told her. Don't you always want to hear the rest of that story? Like, you told them and now they hate your guts and they're more dug in on their opinion than before? Like, isn't that usually how that ends? I told him, yeah, now he hates me. Like, okay, cool. How about, because no, because that's the truth. No one really changes when they got told. They change when someone loved them and was kind to them and called something out inside of them. And that's, that's different. The, the, the way of hostility, this is not the way of life change. It just breeds more hostility. Instead, when someone brings out when someone brings kindness and goodness to the situation, it actually brings out in the other person, it brings out their best self. Why? Why does that work that way? Well, let me tell you about an encounter Jesus had. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is on his way somewhere, and he keeps getting interrupted. If you kind of follow the narrative of Mark 4 through 6, you'll see Jesus gets interrupted while he's trying to go somewhere. And a lot of preachers talk about that. They're like, the best things in life happen during interruptions. And that's true. But... One of the interruptions he has is from this woman. We don't get her name. Uh, what, we, what we do find out about her, and she will forever in history be known as this, is she's a woman with a bleeding problem. It's kind of awkward, right? Mark chapter 5, this woman comes to Jesus with this issue that she's been struggling with, and she wants Jesus to fix the problem. She wants to be healed. And so I want to read it to you, starting um, with verse 24. Uh, 25, we'll put it up on the screen. Mark 5, 25, listen to this. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. All right, so we don't know the details. She has a bleeding issue, discharge of blood. This is not good. And it won't go away. And she's gone to all the medicine people she can find, the physicians, and she's spending money and trying to get healed. And, you know, sometimes how these things go. You get a second opinion, a third opinion, and you keep going. And um, the, the remedies aren't helping. In fact, a lot of the remedies she's probably tried are making things worse. I don't know, you know, this is, a, this is not advanced medicine, but they have some, some methods and some ways of, of, of doing things, and nothing is working, and things are getting worse. And I think when we read that now, thousands of years later, if we were to meet this woman, we would have sympathy for her. Man, this, this is awful. I'm so sorry you're struggling. Like, and it's getting worse. Like, we might hear her story and be like, oh, 
that is so hard. And, and you know, we can, we can sit with her in the pain and the, the shame and the frustration of all of that. But in that culture, she was not met with sympathy. She was met with judgment. Because in that culture, something like that would be an indicator that God is punishing you. So it's not, so in addition to I have the pain and the suffering of this issue, she has the judgment of everybody who are like, well, let's, you know, you've got this bleeding problem. It's probably because of something you did. And God is not happy with you. Clearly, if God was happy with you, you'd be more blessed than this. You're not blessed, therefore. So it comes with um, physical pain, poverty, I guess, because she spent all her money, and then social shame, anxiety, religious shame, uh, just all of this stuff is, is going on. Um, I'd like to think we are better than that now. We're not, but I'd like to think we are. Now, we, we're better than that in some ways, right? When, when there's a physical condition, we go, oh, you got, you're, got a sickness. You should get a surgery or a medication or something. Like, we, we're, we're used to that. It's just when there are things that are difficult to diagnose and they go on for a long time and we start to get impatient and we start to go, we start... That those feelings of, of judgment in, in us as well. Um, oh, you have joint pain? You must eat like crap. Oh, you're overweight? You must eat like crap and lack self-control. Like there's just, we, we, don't, we don't often get empathetic or we don't, we don't think through, maybe there are broken systems here that are, that are causing this to happen in a lot of people that people are falling into. Like we often go to judgment when people struggle. So she's feeling a lot of judgment and a lot of pain and suffering. Let's continue on. Verse 27. Uh, It says, She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. All right, we need a little bit of context in this. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird thing that, that anyone would be like, you know, if I could just touch his clothes, then I'm going to be fine. But there actually is some, some belief of that in that, cent- in, in that century and in the Jewish culture. Um, a, a, a rabbi would wear a shawl over their outer garment, and it was a prayer shawl. And when they would raise their hands to the heavens to pray, they would sort of lift up the shawl, and the shawl would kind of fan out from them while they held it up. It's called a kanaf, and the kanaf, um, it would look like wings. And so the idea was, uh, there's a scripture in Malachi in the Old Testament that says the son of righteousness will come and, and um, there will be, he will be risen with healing in his wings. You've probably heard that before. Um, and so there's this idea that when the Messiah comes, you can even get healing from his wings, from, from the kenna, from the edge of his garment. There could be healing there. And people in the first, that sounds weird to us, but people in the first century would have known that. And, and apparently she has some understanding of that. And so her thought process is, I've heard about this guy. People say he might be the savior of the world. If that's the case, if I can even get to the wings, if I can even get to the edge of his garment um, and touch that, I'm, I, I could possibly get, get healing. And so... Uh, what happens? Verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. That is a really weird thing, isn't it? Like, I have no context for this. The, the power goes out? 
We're not talking about like dominion. We're talking about like the power went out from him. And he felt that. Like, you know, it's like, that's that's some Marvel stuff. Like, I don't even know what to do with that. He feels it. And he go, and his response is, whoa, who, who touched me? Like, who just came in and ripped off a healing without my permission, you know? Like, it's like, how did you, hey, I don't just hand those out willy-nilly. Like, you, someone just, an unauthorized, you know, they just came and took it, you know? And it, he, he senses this. And his disciples rightly say to me, he's like, who touched me? And they're like, uh, bro, there's thousands of people here. Everybody's rolling up on you. What do you mean who touched you? Like, that's a weird question to ask. Everybody, and he's like, no, no, this is, this is different. Something different happened here. Verse 33, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Understand that for her, she's an outcast and has been for a long time because of this thing, because of this bleeding problem. And so for her to even roll into a crowd like that and get close to the rock star rabbi, this is risky behavior for her. This is, this is potential shame. And you, and you see it in her, oh, I've been found out. And she comes before him in fear and trembling. Now everybody's going to be looking at me. Like the last thing she wants is to be a spectacle, right? Everyone's going to be looking at me and they're going to be like, oh, that woman, we know her. There's this whole shame-laden story here. And I want us to notice the kindness and goodness of Jesus in this moment. Because he, he was like, he could say anything right now. She fear and trembling before him. He could have been like, oh, it was you. Well, like next time just ask. I mean, I'm sure I'll, I can, you know, uh, if you want, zap, you know, zap, there you go. Like ask me next time. Or he could have done any of that or whatever. Listen to what he says, verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, there's a lot of details we could think about there. The fact that faith matters. Her faith has made her well. That there's peace on the other side of a risk like that. That there's healing when you come to Jesus. All those are great points. I just want to focus on one word, daughter. Technically, not his daughter right? But there's something in that, that he chose to refer to her that way. And I think you get a little glimpse of the kindness and goodness of God and and how Jesus shows up in this moment. Because he doesn't always talk like that. If you go to John 2, and his mother wants him to make water into wine, he goes, woman? (laughs) Like, that's how he refers to his mom. So it's not like he's always saying, like, right? In this situation, he refers to her as daughter. And Various scholars and commentaries point out that he's more than healing her disease. He's restoring her into the family. He's, he's making it okay for her to be part of the community again by addressing her as daughter. She walked away healed physically but restored relationally and brought into community in a powerful way. So that, and, and everybody saw that happen. It's a profoundly kind attitude that he had and this is a profoundly good action that he took towards her. Uh, the, the goodness and the kindness, when we, when we have those qualities, we end up seeing the dignity in other people and we speak to that and call that out. 
there's a concept I learned a, a, several years back, and I've, I've mentioned it before, but I think it's one we should memorize or we, we should all be aware of this. Every person that you've ever met, every person has within them these two things. One is dignity. And dignity is you are created in the image of God. There is good in you. There's something good going on there. And you have some very good desires. And there are good character qualities that are in you. There's a dignity that you are in the image of God, in his shadow, formed his child. Like there's a lot of good there. And then there's this other thing in you called depravity that you've blown it, that you sin, that you wreck relationships. But those two things are often very related. The things we do in our depravity are often to meet needs of dignity. Like, we're, we're trying to function. There are good things we're trying to accomplish. We just go about them in very bad ways. Isn't lust, when we lust after someone, the depravity side, but isn't it a desire for a good thing? It isn't a desire for true intimacy and connection. Like, there's dignity there. There's a good thing. You're just going about it in a very bad way. And you could, you could go through almost all of your sins or all, all the brokenness, and you could see behind them this good thing that you wanted or that you were trying to get. You're just going about getting them in, in bad ways. And so kindness and goodness chooses to look for the dignity in other people and speak to that and act upon that. And that posture can actually move the needle. Think about something like alcoholism. Yelling at someone, oh, you drink too much and you're tearing the family apart. That doesn't usually move the needle. But speaking to someone and saying, you want more than this. You want better than this. This is not who you want to be. Something about that language calls, speaks to the dignity inside a person. There's, there's a kindness and goodness that comes with that, that, that actually can help people uh, change. So how can we be kind and good? Let me just give you a couple steps, and then we're done. Number one, in a hostile world, choose kindness and goodness. Think of all the places that you are in conflict. Some of those might be online, some of them right at your school, at work. What does the conflict look like when you get there? When do you feel the hostility kicking up? Um, sometimes the best thing you can do is say nothing at all in, in those situations. Um, I, uh, I, I have found myself online. Um, I'll read something and I want to argue about it and then I think of that thing that's like, a meme where it's like, somebody is wrong on the internet or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, whatever. All right, let it go. Move on, move on. And then the next step for me is I write a response to someone and then I erase it. That, that's satisfying. There's something I'm like, I told them, I better not send that. All right, I'm done. And then I get on with my day, you know. And so um, notice, you know, notice those things. This is a discipline to engage in, to choose kindness. Choosing kindness does not come easy for, for many of us, especially if you have like this supernatural gift of sarcasm. I double-checked the list. Sarcasm is not a fruit of the Spirit. I wish it was because I want one I can win with. But like sarcasm, cynicism, snark, rage, um, these are the spirit of the age, right? Um, this is the way it is. And kindness and goodness, like who has time for that? Like there's too much snark to be had out there. And if you're kind and good, people will think you're naive. That's not good. I don't want that. 
They thought the same of Jesus, who was kind and good. They eventually kill him. They didn't kill him because he was kind and good, let me be clear. They killed him because he claimed to be God. And we need to understand that. There's sort of this revisionist thing where they're like, well, Jesus is just a really nice person, and we kill nice people. Nope. He claimed to be God, and it was threatening to everybody. It, like, they're freaking out. It was high blasphemy and horrible, and they were jealous of his success. his envy. There's a whole bunch of things going on there. But he was a kind and good person. And that is going to put you at odds. If you choose kindness and goodness, it will put you at odds in a hostile world. Because people want you, to, they want you to meet their hostility with more hostility. And so we choose kindness and goodness, um, and that's going to set you at odds. So, so choose that. Number two, notice the things that trigger the hostility. That person, that triggers hostility for you. That website you go to, that triggers hostility. The, the person at the office, someone at school, notice what those triggers are and, um, you know, limit your exposure to them. Um, you may have to intentionally walk a different path and go to a different place and not go to that website so much. Um, you've got to notice these things when the hostility is there. Um, and we have to notice that we're getting hostile. I feel like hostility is a little bit like, it kind of reminds me of horror movies. You guys like horror movies? Right, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I see Tim back there. Tim's seen all of them. <laughs> Tim's seen every single one of them. He and I have discussed it. Um, I, don't, I don't like horror movies. Um, because I don't like to be scared. Uh, and, I, and I thought that's normal, but there's people who like this. Like, I don't know, you just feel something. I don't know, whatever. There's like a little, it's a tickle. I don't know what it is. I just don't like it at all. I don't really want to be scared. I mean, I've seen some or whatever, but like people really get into that, oh, it's horror. But one of my concerns, I think, is, um, and you could, you could do this about a lot of genres of movie, right? But with horror movies, one of my concerns would be, I think it desensitizes us to how horrific the things we're watching on screen really are. Like, you know, someone's ripped apart or limb from limb or whatever. Like, gross. Like, that should, that should make us run away and never want to look at that again ever and wish we had never seen that. But for a lot of times, we get desensitized to it and we're like, oh, is there a Faces of Death 3 I can watch? Like, is there a sequel to this? Like, right? What, like, what are we... What are we doing? Um, it desensitizes us to things that are truly horrific. And I think um, in a similar way, our constant exposure to hostility online desensitizes us to that too. And we start to dehumanize other people. And we start to um, you know, just treat people as less than and, and feel like, well, you should speak to people with rage and anger and hostility. And that is not the way of Christ. It's not the way of love. So we have to limit our exposure to things that trigger hostility. And then lastly, I would say this. Notice the kind people that are around you and emulate them. Have you ever noticed that some people are just really kind? What is up with those people, right? They're just people that you meet and you're like, man, they're so kind and, like, good. And you talk to them and you walk away. You're like, wow, I'm, like, lifted here. Like, my... It's warmer in my heart somehow because I talk to this kind, smiling people. And they smile a lot. And it just seems so natural to them. Who are those people? I know some. I can think of some in this room right now. And you probably know them too. And, and it's easy to think when you meet someone so kind. It's easy to think, I mean, they probably don't have any real problems. Right? They're like, they... they, they they don't have any struggles. That's why they're so kind, because the world hasn't beat them up yet. 
That's nonsense. You can't avoid in 2023 the deluge of nonsense, anger, rage, hostility, problems in your family and your friends and your church at work, at school. Everybody experiences that stuff. You can't avoid it, but you can choose to be kind. This is super challenging for me because as some of you know and have probably hung out with me in person, I can, I can be very snarky. And I have a microphone, and that is a dangerous combination. Uh, I, got a, I got a quick tongue and a loud mouth. And, um, and, and there's so many ways I want to blame, the, and I want to come up with reasons why it's okay for me. Well, um, you know, I'm snarky because my family, and they're British, and everybody in Britain's sad and whatever. I don't know. Like, uh, it's, it's rainy, and I know it's dark. I don't know. It's snarky, and uh, it doesn't work. You know, and I can blame my family culture, and I can say, oh, it's just the way my people were. I can, I can, like, man, and I got all sorts of ways to blame all sorts of things for why I am the way I am. And we come up with new ones all the time. I can be like my Myers-Briggs profile, and that's why I'm snarky, and that's why I'm not kind. And you should see my Enneagram number, and it's exactly an unkind person or what. I can do that all day long. Like this comic that I saw this past week. Uh, now that I know my personality type, I have an excuse for being exactly the same. And the funny thing, and Zach pointed this out to me, which person is talking in the picture? It's almost like a test. Which one do you think is saying, if you're married, don't answer out loud, but which person is telling the other one that they're, anyway. Um, but, I, but I feel that, and I could easily do that. I could say, well, I'm unkind because this, 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 and this, and you could too, right? Um, but I think it's nonsense. Um, it doesn't hold water. Sometimes I'm just the jerk. Uh, if my wife's in here, she can be like, amen. You know, like, no, this isn't the time to amen, babe. Um, it's not a number. It's, 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 not a, it's, not, it's, a, it's a choice I make for a wide variety of reasons. And we have to make choices to be kind and to see the kind people around us and emulate them. Because when I see them, I, I admire them. I think, man, as I get older, this is what I want to be. Now, ultimately, that kindness, that goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. That's where we started, which means it is God's Holy Spirit working on you to develop this inside you. Um, and and a, lot of the, a lot of suggestions I make around these fruits of the Spirit, sometimes I'm, I'm afraid we're going to, like, try to staple an apple to a pine tree and hope that it's an apple tree. It's like, no, you're going to eventually, like, we need, you can do some things, but you're going to eventually need for this to be, a, a, an outflow of the heart. Um, that's, that's, I mean, character, that's basically what character is. Character is what comes out of you when you're under pressure. What flows natural? What is your natural response? That is your character. And so if we want our character to be people who are good and kind, this is going to have to flow out of us naturally. But I do think we have to start somewhere. And I would say, notice the triggers. Um, notice the triggers. Choose to be kind and good towards others. And then as you see it in other people, be around them, ask them questions, and maybe even emulate them, and let's see how God develops kindness and goodness in our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, in a hostile world, may we choose kindness. In a world of rage, may we choose to act with goodness. Um, in the moments when we uh, are scared and doubt and we're afraid and we're angry and we're, we're annoyed. Um, 
those are the moments when we're tested, and I pray we pass that test this week, this month, this year. May we be people who are kind to one another. Um, cynicism, rage, snark, hostility, these things are quick and easy, um, but we're in this for the long haul. And so, Lord, do your work, your spirit's work in us, and make us kind and good people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to take time now to uh, take communion for real this time. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as we do it, just you know, it's a chance for us to come before Jesus, just like the woman who, who fell at Jesus' feet and, as, as the verse says, just told him the whole truth, told him her whole story. It's a chance for us to lay our burdens down to confess what's just gripping at us and to, to commune with Jesus and just be at his feet in this moment. Um, and, so we're in, and just entrust that, that his resurrection has the power, the power to forgive, the power to heal, the power to cleanse us, that blood that was shed for us, that body that was broken for us. And so uh, just come to the left, come down uh, and take the bread and take the uh, the grape juice that represents the body and the blood of Christ, or the prepackaged. If you're gluten-free, you can do that as well. Um, but let's uh, take communion together as we continue to worship. You also have an opportunity to give these boxes right here. You can uh, give of your tithes and offerings as well. So let's worship.
side. Thank you for joining us and worshiping with us. Don't forget, if you're new here, you can stop by the Next Steps table on the way out. We'd love to say hi to you and uh, hear your story and uh, just, yeah, just connect. It would, be, it would be good. And everyone, join us for coffee hour. We're going down just a block down that way, um, and we will have a coffee hour down there with some snacks and stuff, and it would be good to see each other in the light, not in the dark, and um, hopefully get you connected and meet, meet some new folks. Um, really glad you're with us for this series. Um, glad it's February. Uh, I had a professor in college always tell me, always say, um, never make major life decisions in February. So um, that's my advice to you for this month. Do not do that because um, it gets dark out there. And so we want to do things to help people connect in the light. Um, there are uh, people that will be down front here if you need prayer. Uh, as we dismiss and go that way, uh, you can come down here, and there'll be people right down front ready to pray for you. So please receive prayer if you need prayer. You've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I, know, I, I, I know people are walking through some stuff, and that's just the, the people I know. There's, I'm sure there's plenty more here that uh, are walking through some things, and it would be good to have someone pray for you. So come receive prayer, and uh, join us for coffee hour if you can. Um, great to see you guys. Uh, let me leave you with this blessing that... Aaron would, uh, pre- would, would speak over the people of, of Israel. Uh, he says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace.